Hello and welcome to episode three of the Omnibus podcast. It is like pretension for your ears. Pretension? Oh no. Yeah, that's I not, said that's it. not the message for China. When did out. we switch to pretension? <laughs> well, you see, after we uh, you know, we did two episodes and we figured those were so good that why bother? And that's about the most pretentious thing I can think of. Yeah, that's I think. True. Well, I think they needed about half a year to digest that. Yeah, that's I, true. You're right. There's a lot of information in there. You th- I think they're ready. It's sort of like a, a franchise reinvigoration. We're the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Denny's right, though. We threw a lot of information at them in those two things, and they needed some time to. That's right. They had a lot to read and watch. Yeah. Hopefully, they're all caught up and ready now for that, this. Now that they've all watched The Wire, and they've all <laughs> <laughs> they've all read every Warren Ellis book ever yeah. written. Yes. Now we can talk about those as if our audience has already read them <laughs> and seen them. Uh, my name is Luke Osterritter, and to my left we have... Adam Lugaville. <laughs> <laughs> Great name. Very proud. Of. And to my right we have... Denny Conley. Up there we have a bug. The DFC. Flying around. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I meant to kill that before. Anyway, the DFC. That's right. Yeah, we'll go with that. Well, today we have a few things to talk about. We're going to start out, like always... In our last two episodes, uh, <laughs> talk about uh, how we've been living our lives. By the way, if you have a problem with the format of our show, feel free to email us at omnibuspodcast at gmail.com. It starts. <laughs> <laughs> he said, like always, I had to fulfill my quote. Yeah, I know. I mean, clearly we had a good thing going, so why change now? Exactly. Uh, Adam, you want to start with you? All right. Um, so what, what, what's our thing? What we've been watching, listening to, reading. Anyway, um, lately I rewatched or completely watched the first season of Burn Notice. I had only watched the first two episodes when they came on and like blazed through the whole series mm-hmm. or season in like two days. It was really, really good. Fun show. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, explain it to me. So Burn Notice. <laughs> Burn Notice <laughs> is a show. <laughs> I don't watch television. You have to tell me about this. Burn Notice what, is a show television? on US, USA, which is a network on the cable television. Oh, uh, characters. Well, <laughs> yes, yes, we have them. They're one of our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> USA, characters welcome. Um, so, Burn Notice is about a uh, more or less a spy who uh, gets fired from his job, more or less. And with a spy, if you get fired, according to the show, of course. Right. I mean, this is all yeah. fiction. Yeah. It is, it is mean, fictional. Obvious. Um, when, you get, when you get fired, they completely, like, destroy your identity they like take away your your ability to get a job they take away your money they take away your contacts and they just they send you to a place and if you leave you get in trouble and so he's gets his burn notice and then he has to try to rebuild from there oh so that's where the title of the show came from. exactly yes. it's a spoiler very, alert spoiler <laughs> he gets spoiler a burn alert. notice <laughs> um i don't even feel like watching it now so the show takes place in miami it co-stars bruce Motherfucking Campbell. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. We we prefer fracking when we're on air. <laughs> I forgot because last time we cursed like seventeen thousand times in the podcast. And Hadn't noticed. <laughs> um, sorry, women and children. Um, men can. <laughs> men, women women can hear swear words. But hey, can. I figure we've already wow. gone down this path. No, I'm just kidding. I think women should hear curse words as much as men. That's my form of um, equality. Um, <laughs> Sorry, other gender. Back We've on set the track. You back twenty years. What What's interesting about the show, I think, is that it approaches the whole spy genre very comedically. Um, Absolutely. 
And uh, the show's kind of focuses on Michael Weston, who's the main character, who is, you know, a badass. And his ex-girlfriend, Fiona, who is probably even more of a badass. And she, like, is an illegal arms runner or something. And uh, she's got kind of a shady past. And Bruce Campbell, who was also an ex-spy, who is retired and just drinks a lot and lives off the money that women give him. And has a magnificent chin. Yes, he does. (laughs) And it's very funny and very well done. It's a very conscious parody at at the same time that it is very much just a love letter to spy movies. Mm-hmm. And it's still, re- the fight scenes are really impressive for as yeah. much as it's a comedy. It's really exciting to watch, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting some uh, Get Smart vibes here. <laughs> well, it's funny <laughs> Not quite that silly. Not, uh. that's not that funny. It, the other thing that's interesting about Burn Notice is there's actually quite a bit of subtext to it. And they do a lot of character building <laughs> oh what usa <laughs> network's forte apparently yeah um, only if the characters aspire to detective <laughs> <laughs> well what else do they do um sorry usa you can still give us money um but yes they they focus a lot on family and about what it means to be a spy and what could have possibly led to him becoming a spy like they they dwell a lot in the series on what happened in his life that made him want to give up all contact he had with the world and become a spy, which I think is really neat and uh, not really something I would have expected in such a, a funny spy show. Yeah, and it's really neat to see him thrust back into a world where he has to deal with all these things. Yeah, that his the whole point of his career was to get away from dealing with this. Now he has to drive his mom to the doctors. You know, he has yeah. to see his brother and yeah. things like that. You know, it's really really funny. Yeah. Hulk just won't be left alone. <laughs> Save that. Wow. We're not we're not talking about the Hulk yet. Foreshadow. Wow. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Burn Notice, highly recommended. Really, really fun. Alright, alright, I'll, I'll check it out. I would say that if you like fun and TV, that Burn Notice is a good choice. Fun? Absolutely. I like fun. <laughs> Do it. Very cool. Alright, and uh, I think I'll go next. Uh, this might be the only video game related piece of information you... Oh, I somehow doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I've put down the Warcraft for a while. And I've started playing a Japanese role-playing game called Persona 3 Fez. Fez? That's what? right. It, it, it's, it's called Fez. Persona! Oh, no! Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Persona 3 Fez. I believe it's called Shin Megami Yeah, it's, 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 it's from a series called Shin Megami Tensei, which is known for uh, its devilry and general... Complete insanity. Complete insanity. Uh, absolutely taking gods and demons a la carte from every culture <laughs> that exists. Yeah. Um, and, well, the best thing about Persona 3 is that it's like, it's as if someone took Facebook, Pokemon, and, like, Chrono Trigger and threw it in a <laughs> blender and then set it to awesome. I like where this is going. I know, awesome. right? So, and it's, you're basically, you're a group of Japanese high school kids because, I mean, it is an RPG. Right. And uh, what happens is that you there's the time at, at midnight where everything just goes batshit insane. Everything's covered in green. People turn into coffins and, it, and like fountains start bleeding. And you've got to fight these monsters called shadows. And the way you do this is with uh, your, perso- your personae, personas, personistas. <laughs> and the way you get these personas out of your head, and this is the big... I guess controversial style element 
is that they take these things that look like guns and they shoot themselves and they force out the personas to fight the monsters. And it's awesome. I mean, aside from just oozing with style, uh, it's probably the best Japanese RPG I've played in several years. Yeah. And it is very good. I played it. Thank it you. Came out, for but that. I haven't played the Fez version. Right. And uh, the difference being um, that there's some story elements added to the main game if you choose to play that. If you've already played through Persona 3 Vanilla, then you can just start right at what they call the answer, which is the 30 hour or so addendum to Persona. And I guess that, I don't know, I don't want to spoil anything, of course, but <laughs> I guess it just sort of. It picks up where the, where it left off, and I mean, you're there's robots, and it's all kinds of crazy. But if you enjoyed it, you should definitely pick up Fez for the extra uh, game that they have there. And if you haven't played it or you missed it somehow, then hey, lucky you, because now you can pick it up for thirty bucks, and you get the game itself plus the answer. And if you're if you like Japanese RPGs at all, you should really pick it up. Yeah, no doubt. If you like Japanese RPGs, it's a very good game. I would compare it to a dating sim where you get to shoot yourself in the head. <laughs> right, which is, you know, kind of like how I feel when I date. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I never actually go that extra mile. And that, now I can. I hope that your girlfriend... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, JK. <laughs> <laughs> JK, I'm really good at dating. <laughs> I'm actually pretty awesome with the ladies. Thanks, strong bad. <laughs> good, good uh, synopsis of the Persona Three. So, on a scale of one to awesome, where does that where does that game fall? Uh, I'd say it's about a nine point groovy. Nine All point right. groovy. Nine yeah. point groovy. Awesome. I like that. How about uh, I'm gonna sit this list out because I'm not. I'm just gonna go right ahead and say I haven't played a whole lot of RPGs. But how about a top, top five spontaneous. RPGs for the two of you. We need like a soundboard so that we can just be like, top five. I can just make that noise. Um, all right. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get a soundboard going. But for now, wow. The one top listener five. we had just shut it off. Top, top, top. Baba booey, baba booey, baba booey. Anyway. All right. Quit stalling. Adam, you're up. My top five RPGs. Um, well, obviously, you gotta have that secret of mana. Is that what that game was called? There, that, that, there was, that was a couple. I'm, I'm gonna assume you're talking about secret the of Super mana. Nintendo one, uh, which I very much enjoyed. Good um, stuff. Ring the, menus. Yeah, ring menus are <laughs> ring menu. By the way, for those listening, I hate picking things off menus in battles. I I'll love do it. it if I have to, but I prefer it. Really, I, I hate when actions just you know. Are assigned to buttons. What's that about? <laughs> What's it? Why would you want to play the game when you can just select stuff off a menu? <laughs> exactly. That's some old bullshit. You know, what? I'd rather play. watch a movie. Actually, <laughs> I thought awesome. you were gonna say I'd rather play D and D. All right. Well, that's just silly. I really like Secret of Mana. I really liked uh, Final Fantasy VI, of course, which is kind of the standard answer. I love Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, you know. And one game that I wasn't thinking about the other day, uh, Disgaea was really, really Disgaea. good. Disgaea. That's the one with the penguins that explode. Yeah, right? penguins do explode in that game. Um, <laughs> I approve. And, I, you know, I'm going to really regret this no matter what I do. You know, it's, always, it's always the hardest to say the fifth one because yeah. you know that once you say that fifth one, it's over. It's over. <laughs> but I, I would you say could never go back. I'm going to say Lufia 2. 
I loved that game. I have never played it. Yeah. So. And I didn't even include things like Chrono Trigger and so, World of Warcraft. So what you're saying is that your list is basically a failure. So we'll yeah. go straight into mine. Uh, <laughs> my number one is Chrono Trigger. Uh, I love that game to pieces. I've probably played it like 30 times. You know, all the way through. Uh, next would be Chrono Cross because <laughs> I love that series. I didn't, I didn't see that coming, to be honest. <laughs> I played that game at least 30 times. I love it to pieces. Uh, <laughs> next would be a game uh, called Suikoden 2, which is like the best, arguably the best Japanese collect all 108 characters game ever created. Uh, after, yes. After that. It's a very good game. After that, I'm going to say Final Fantasy VI because I think there's a law somewhere that anytime you do one of these lists, you have to put that on there. Yes. And, uh, you know, I might just still be glowing from, from, you know, just having completed it, but I'm going to say Persona 3. Someone bowling up there? <laughs> yes. We're today broadcasting from the Comic Swap That's in right. downtown State College. True. Wow. You can go ahead and plug your store. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> it's done. It's been done. It's been done. All right. That was a good top five. You guys shouldn't have clocked out. You know games <laughs> that are that are really good that aren't on our lists that probably should be? Vagrant Story. That's a really, yeah, that really good amazing. game. <laughs> one um, damage. One damage. One damage. <laughs> that was me playing Vagrant Story. Wow. Man, okay. Those are some heavy donuts. <laughs> That's so far out of context <laughs> that we just shouldn't even go on and explain it. Okay. All right. So we back turn. to me. All right. I'm not doing a list. If I was going to do a list, it would be two games long. Just because, not because I have anything, any problems with RPGs, I just ha don't have the patience to play games that are that long. That's fine. But it would be World of Warcraft and Chrono Trigger are my two RPGs that I love. That's fair. Okay. So what have I been up to? I've been reading The Losers, which is a really, really cool, it was Vertigo, right? Is it yeah. an autobiography of your life? That's funny, because no, I'm only one person. <laughs> I'm only one loser. Oh, so, so yours would be The Loser, I exactly. understand. Exactly. No, I think that was a different book, too. Oh, but <laughs> anyways... Okay, so The Losers is by um, Andy Daigle and Jacques, and it is awesome. And it's like this crazy military kind of story about these soldiers who were supposed to be dead, and they were, like, killed by their own... They were supposed to be killed by their bosses, kind of, but they got away somehow and hid, and now they're, like, coming back to get revenge on everybody. Really, really cool. I tried to read it a while back, and I read the first story arc, and I was like, this is kind of cool, but I never got around to finishing it. And then Andy Diggle and Jacques did Green Arrow Year One this past year. Which, continuity nerds, I believe we've talked about in a previous podcast. Oh, have we? <laughs> yes. Okay, so we won't That's go through. Because you yeah. know our list of previous podcasts is, is so huge <laughs> that we yeah. could possibly miss something that we talked about. So I won't go too far into Green Arrow Year One, aside from saying that it's awesome. and You it's, should read it. Yeah, you should read it. And its awesomeness right. made me go back and give uh, the losers another chance, so... I'm pretty far into it. It's only five volumes long. I really, really suggest it. It's just this really cool ensemble cast kind of story, and it takes a little while to like. I love ensemble the casts. Don't you? Yeah. Okay, fun. If you like the A Team, <laughs> yeah, you should read the Losers. <laughs> dun, 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 Funny that the dun, dun, Losers dun, dun. is, in some way, kind of similar to Burn Notice. That it's about people who, kind of, just got cut off from what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's true. And have to find their way, to a solution. Yeah. Through whatever means necessary. Yeah. But it is a really, really fun action book. Yeah. So, that's that was one what of I've my been reading. when it was coming out. Yeah. 
All right. Wow, that sounds that sounds interesting. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we're going to do something new this oh, week. No. And well, I mean, you're going to hear a lot of flipping of pages. I fear change. You guys, you know, if you're if you're into comics, you may be familiar with previews. Previews is a giant book. Yes. <laughs> the biggest complaint I've always had about previews is as a casual reader, not someone who works at a comic book shop, how can you possibly get through this giant phone book of a catalog to find the good stuff? That's basically yeah. previews me. comes out once a month and is and it's full of solicitations for comics that are going to be coming out within the next three months generally so you get this magazine the like the last wednesday of every month and you have a month to decide what you want and it can be a pretty daunting task and not every not everybody has time to flip through this giant catalog plus a whole nother catalog for marvel if you read marvel books you know exactly we figured we figured we'll do it for you yeah and it's, we'll just hit the highlights like i'm looking through it right now and i mean i don't even know <laughs> yeah you're lazy Oh, that, that is true. <laughs> it's that gonna be okay, true. Luke. We'll help you. Here's how. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that was perfect. <laughs> Seriously, folks, previews isn't really stressful, but it is time-consuming. One one piece of advice that we can give you is decide whether you're looking for trade paperbacks or comics. There's two different kinds of comic readers: kinds that like good stuff and kinds that like bad stuff. <laughs> that was a joke. In actuality, some people are collectors, and some people just like reading the stuff. You know, and that's typically, okay. when you have to say that a joke's a joke, it's probably not very good. No, I, I just... think it's funnier when you have to explain it. Oh. That's very meta. <laughs> so is your face. Oh, anyway. Um, that was a joke. Some people like to collect comics for the collectability, and that's cool. Um, we have no problem with that. But those kinds of people are generally going to just be looking for single issues of things because trade mm -hmm. paperbacks aren't really collectible. If you just want to read the story, oftentimes you're better off getting the book. Yeah. Um, it sits uh, nicer on your bookshelf. Yeah. You're more likely to go back and reread it, let your friends borrow it, things and like that. that's a big part of it is if you ever want to let your friends borrow something, it's a lot easier to let them borrow a book. Plus, studies have shown that females are way less scared of books on a shelf than they are of giant stacks in your closet. I take it back. He wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> I read that study. <laughs> Alright, so where should we start? I suppose we should start with Dark Horse. Dark Horse is the section at the front. Now, Dark Horse is a small publisher who is kind of like a big publisher. Um, they, <laughs> the little publisher that could. <laughs> they're like the biggest small publisher yeah. in previews. And they're also the first thing in the book because they're considered one of the premier publishers and there's a bunch of crap before them about, I don't know, stuff, 30 pages of stuff that you don't need to look at. Skip so it. if you just skip to the Dark Horse section, you can start seeing the stuff. Dark Horse's section is really, really clean and easy to look through. You have your book upside down. <laughs> Luke's book is absolutely well. upside down. <laughs> I, think he's I think he's trying to look up the Japanese girl model skirts. So you're going to have to actually get the model before you can do that. <laughs> so if, if I want to order one of these, I just talk to you guys? You can take this. I'll look through this little one. All right, it starts off with 30 pages of crap again. We don't care about that. But the first thing in here is the art of Tony Millionaire. Tony Millionaire is amazing. Yeah, um, hilarious. If, oh, my God, is he that little penguin? <laughs> oh, my God, that penguin is so cute. That's Drinky Crow. Oh, He's a crow. 
Um, oh my god, that Drinky Crow is so cute. <laughs> if you've seen the Drinky Crow show on Adult Swim, there was one episode of it. Wow. Um, they're going to make a show, like, long term. And it's going to be... I'm there. Anyway, it's based on Tony Millionaire's stuff. He's really, really funny stuff. Yeah. There's some Conan stuff. Who cares? You. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually love Conan. I think that his book is really, really good. And if you like fantasy stuff, he's really good. This is something I want to talk about. Mr. X Archives. Um... Mr. X is this crazy series by Dean Motter, with art by Dean Motter, and also um, Jaime Hernandez, uh, Dave McKean, Seth, Ty Templeton, some guy wow. named Paul Ravoche. Um, the book's about, um, more than anything, it's about this city that this, this mysterious guy, Mr. X, built, kind of, or he was involved in building, and it is really cool. They re released two trade paperbacks, collecting the whole series a while ago, but those trade paperbacks were fraught with problems. They had all sorts of printing errors. There were whole pages that were reproduced like multiple times throughout the issue that screwed up the storytelling. And in an already bizarre story, that made it unreadable. Um, this Mr. X Archives really reprints the whole it. thing. This this is the whole thing, and the people that reprinted it before were not Dark Horse. It was another company. Ah. So uh, seeing that they're going to do the whole thing from Dark Horse just makes me really excited. I think that's going to be awesome. You want to talk about that since you just read the first issue today? Abe Sapien. Wow. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, you know, I liked it. Uh, for those who don't know, Abe Sapien is the uh, the kind of gilly guy from the Hellboy series. <laughs> it's yeah. a good description. Uh, now he's got his own book coming out. And what is this? Is this the collection? Of yeah, his? that's the collection. Yeah, volume one. So this is volume one. I guess it collects the first, uh, the first five, five issues. Issue I just read the first one today and... Uh, I mean, not too much happened, but I like where it's going. And uh, it's interesting to see some of the characters from Hellboy uh, mm -hmm. outside of you know, Hellboy. Yeah. Because I, it's a really great series, uh, if anyone doesn't know. Uh, the Hellboy uh, Library Edition Volume 2 is coming out. Yeah. Uh, Danny has the first one. I've Let's been talk about... basically hoarding that one <laughs> in my room for... The Library Edition of Hellboys are fantastic hardcovers that reprint two trade paperbacks worth of material. For anybody who thinks they're interested in Hellboy and likes to collect books for their bookshelf but doesn't actually already own the trade paperbacks, it's a great way to go. I you mean, if you, if you're that. If you've got a bookshelf <laughs> and you want something to make it look awesome, get these books because they are some of the nicest looking yeah. trades I've ever seen. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. They're hard super hardcore awesome. But yeah, I mean, if you have the trades, you might not want to upgrade unless you're like the biggest Hellboy fan ever. But if you haven't read it yet, it's a great place to jump on. And the first hardcore is already out, and the second one is offered in this previews. For sure. Nice stuff. You know, I just decided that we're just going to talk about trades today. Fair enough. This I agree. makes it quicker. Um, there's a lot of really good comics coming out right now, just so you know. But the thing with previews that is hard is... Half of it's upside down. Half of it's upside down. <laughs> there's so many issues... That it's much easier to find stuff if you're only looking for trades. Would you yeah. say that the book has issues? <laughs> the book and maybe that's issues. why people cannot navigate it? And the thing is that, that the major joke. publishers have a very navigable thing. It's it's like one or two comics per page. It's not like the back where you get a tiny little one inch square of space to see what your comic book's going to be. Yeah. That's where you're really going to need help. Um, some DC stuff that's coming out. We've got the DC Comics Goes Ape. Don't get that. Um, pass. If, if you it doesn't get the seal of approval. If you decide you need to read about all of the DC characters turning into apes, all the more power to you. We can't. We can't guarantee that. Wow. 
What a great premise. <laughs> By great, I mean awful. The There's a book on page 95 called Superman Batman, The Search for Kryptonite Hardcover. Oh, really cool. Yeah. And Superman Batman is one of those books that kind of started out really strong and lost steam, and pe- a lot of people stopped subscribing to it. Yep. A lot. That book really fell apart, and this last story arc has been really, really cool. I yeah. think people are going to start getting back into it if they can just give it a chance. So if you're looking for a really good like Superman-Batman team-up book that kind of crosses over the DC Universe and deals with all kinds of cool stuff, and you, or you're someone who got disgusted with it before, this is a good one to pick up. Um, on page 109, this is going to be an exception to the all-trade paperbacks rule. There's the X-Files special number zero. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, this is just exciting because the X-Files has been gone for so long, and I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. You know, um, <laughs> I'm not really sure that that's... You're always looking for something to disagree about. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you guys can... We found some, it. You guys can argue over X-Files. X-Files is awesome. X-Files is awesome. It's also really long, and I don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about... Wait, I don't want to go down this path. That's right. Let's have our nice little day of podcasting. We the, may not get another... The new trade paperback of 100 Bullets is in this uh, in this previews. Who wants to talk about how good 100 Bullets is? You know I do. All right. <laughs> well, have we talked about 100 Bullets on the show before? I don't even know if we have. I don't know. Well, we've done a lot of shows. I mean, it might I have can... cropped up there. <laughs> I imagine we have, but let's just take a second and say 100 Bullets is phenomenal. Yeah. It's one of those books that whenever it's all said and done, it's going to be 100 issues long, and it's just going to be a masterpiece, you know? Yeah. People are gonna be reading this book forever. It's like Sandman or Preacher. It's it's really up there. It's um, Eduardo Riso does the art and Brian Azzarello writes it, and it's this really intricate, complicated um, crime book that things that happen in the very first issue that are just in the background that you barely even notice come back and are so important later. And everything is just so interconnected and it's been planned out for years. They knew exactly what they wanted to do with it. The art has been amazing the whole time. That's something I respect because yeah. there's nothing worse than a series that you start and you love it for like the first 30 issues and they have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, they this just book, drag it into the ground. They know exactly what they're doing and everything makes sense. Nice. But yeah, volume, it's volume 11 or 12. 12. Volume 12, 12 of that. Soccer. But definitely pick up the first volume of that if you haven't been reading it. So, Why the Last Man? is offered in this previews as well. There's a hardcover coming out that'll be the first two trades worth. The Deluxe Edition Book 1 hardcover. If anyone has not read Wild Last Man yet, or if you just want to, if you read it in issues and you want to own some, own it for your bookshelf, the hardcovers are going to be really nice. Highly, highly recommend Wild Last Man. And uh, for the sake of the boss man of the comic swap, let's mention Scalped Volume 3's in here. Yeah, All it's another right. great Vertigo book that is worth reading. Is about it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a gangster story set on an Indian reservation. Absolutely, that's exactly what it's like. Mm-hmm. There's some cops, there's some criminals, they're getting into some shit. It's really cool. Wow. Yeah, they use the setting. It's not just like, I guess it's not a gimmick, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know, it's a part of the story. It's really interesting. If you wanted to read about monkeys earlier, we were talking about that. There's a book from Image called Gorillas, which is about um, some kind of monkey experiment in Vietnam. Arguably the best simian-based plot in this previews. Yes. And the art looks really, really nice. I don't know who the heck Brom Revel is, 
His art's really cool. Good for you, Brom Rebel. Remember when Powers had that issue that was all monkeys? Yes. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> so this happens, like, often in the comic book world. Like, <laughs> comic book people like monkeys. Today, I think, is a good day to make all our characters monkeys. Yes, that is indeed a, the way that people think. Um, there's also a book called Image Monster Pileup Number 1. So you might want to check this out if you have been reading Astounding Wolfman, Fire Breather, Perhapanauts, or Proof. Um, those aren't super popular books, but if you don't let your comic book shop know that you want it, you may not yeah, get it. You probably won't even know it exists if you don't yeah. flip through previews. Um, big, big thing to watch for. Uh, they're finally reprinting, after it's been out of print for, I don't know, a couple of years now, the Ultra Trade. The Ultra Trade was the first, as far as I know, uh, miniseries that the Luna Brothers did together. Yeah. And it was super fun. It's a super superhero book about, like... I don't know, these kind of professional superheroes and their lives, and they're all women, and it's kind of about their, I don't know, the one woman gets a prophecy that she's going to fall in love or meet her true love within seven days, and it's kind of about that week as she tries to go about her superhero life and also looks for this person she's supposed to fall in love with. Uh, it was very fun, and uh, if, you, if you have liked anything else that the Luna Brothers have done, you really, really should read that book. Um, they're doing a book called The Sword right now, mm -hmm. which is really, really cool. It's uh, just a really neat book. I think we're ready for Marvel now, yeah, actually. Yeah, definitely. Unless you want to start recommending Spawn and The Darkness. Let's just not take anything that Adam says seriously for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's move on to Marvel previews. The first thing, well, I guess we can go in order. <laughs> I'm just so excited about the Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane Volume 2 hardcover oh that I want to start talking about it right away. That's fine, you can. <laughs> so... Any, well, before there, you have your... Oh, uh, um, oh, wait, before you do that, though. Um, two things to know about this Marvel previews. Terry Moore, who wrote Strangers in Paradise and is now writing Echo, is going to be taking over Runaways and Spider-Man yes. Loves Mary Jane. Yeah. Both first issues are offered in this Marvel previews. If you like comic books, <laughs> you should subscribe to both of those books. Absolutely. And they're both books that have been great beforehand. And for those of you who aren't really into like indie comics or slice of life comics terry moore is giant he's yeah. a phenomenal writer that a lot of people i mean there's people who are really dedicated to strangers in paradise but i think there's still a lot of really big comic fans who don't really read terry moore stuff yeah and this is a great place to get introduced to him maybe you'll read the first couple issues of his run on spider-man loves mary jane then you can go back and try to read the strangers Lo strangers in paradise i yeah. really like it i love both of these books yeah and i'm really excited to see where they go with Harry Moore. It's going to be awesome. That's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Fact. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> Come see me. Um, <laughs> so, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, Volume 2 hardcover. First of all, it's okay to like Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. <laughs> By the way, in case you wonder why we're suddenly <laughs> laughing, there are people outside making ridiculous noises for some odd reason. Wow. Yeah, this happens. We're in, we're in downtown. So. I'm frightened. Yeah. That's... Alright, so anyway, this is just a really, really fun book about high school and melodrama, and it's just about dances. <laughs> this sounds so bad. It, it, it does. It sounds like... No one's going to believe me that this is a good book. It sounds extremely emasculating. However, something to consider, and I think I've said this before, is that Spider-Man is at his best when his powers take a backseat to his life. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, nothing... There's no more greater crazy life drama than there is in high school, Absolutely, is there? yeah. And I mean, this book actually 
started out, it used to just be called Mary Jane. And Mary yeah. Jane's really the focal point, and that's what makes it so cool. That Spider-Man's there in the background, but it's really just about the drama that takes place in the high school. Yeah. Super, super fun. It's If you read Ultimate Spider-Man and really like that, then I think you're going to like this. Ultimate Spider-Man does an amazing job of showing the high school aspect of Spider-Man. It is a lot like that, yeah. Absolutely. So it's like Ultimate Spider-Man, but from Mary Jane's point of view, maybe. Yeah. But this is the second hardcover. The first hardcover is still available. I'm sure you can find it at your comic book store. It's also available in digest size once, too, if you wanted to get it for a cheaper price just to try it out. But, yeah, we're going to go ahead and give Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane the all-around recommendation from all three of us. Absolutely. That book is love. So the next one that's noteworthy, I would say, is the Logan hardcover. Remember when we were talking about Eduardo Risso, who does the art on 100 Bullets? Well, he draws a mean Wolverine. Absolutely. <laughs> He's kind of scary. Also, remember when we were talking about Why the Last Man and how good that was? Well, that's written by Brian K. Vaughn, who writes the Logan miniseries. Mm-hmm. This so is that's just... our powers combined. Exactly. Yes. This is a three-issue miniseries about Logan while he's in Japan during World War II era. And it's about him falling in love with this girl and... It's an intense three issue. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, pretty action-packed. Let me just tell you, uh, the cover of this book has Wolverine <laughs> kneeling down in a pool of blood. <laughs> with bayonets with pointed bayonets at him. With bayonets pointed at him. And he does not seem very worried at all. <laughs> he has quite a smile on his face. He's, he's got happy. a notebook and he's ready to take some names, but not until kicking some ass. <laughs> all right. So the next one we're going to talk about, I think Adam probably has a few words to say about Thunderbolts. We're going to try and keep this short because we talk about Warren Ellis too much. There's no possible way <laughs> at this point in comic book history that you can talk about Warren Ellis too much, but I see your point. Well, we've had, what, two podcasts, two hours, and about, I don't know, 100 minutes of that has been talking about Warren Ellis. <laughs> Let's just say that if you're reading superhero books right now and you're not reading Warren Ellis' Thunderbolts book, you're really, really missing out. It is my favorite superhero book right now, and it is just a phenomenal use of what's been happening in the Marvel Universe. It's, it's a very, very good book. And uh, highly recommend it. Thunderbolts is about villains that try to be superheroes and fail miserably at it. Yeah. And it is very, very good. Really good. It's really fun and really funny, but still really, really interesting and serious. Yeah. Very yep. cool book. So uh, I guess we've talked about One More Day, the Amazing Spider-Man story before on the show, but we can just say that the trade paperback for the first story arc is being offered as previews. And if yeah. you weren't picking up the issues, that'd be a good place just to try out the first story and see if you would like to give it a chance. Absolutely. No judgments from us on that. Just check it out for yourself. Spider-Man. People like him. <laughs> I know I do. Um, the Wolverine Get Mystique story is in here, which is a post-Messiah uh, Complex story. And it is... Wait, is it? No. Hmm. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is, is. is post-Messiah Complex. Right, it takes place right after he's Messiah reacting Complex. He's reacting to... And, Basically, he's just tracking down Mystique to uh, kill her. Like, the whole story was about him trying to track down Mystique and kill her. It's a really cool story. Lots of flashbacks to about about Mystique and Wolverine's relationship from when they first met up until now when they're at each other's throats. Really cool. And it's written by, um, what's his first, Aaron, what's his first name? He is the guy who writes Scalped, which we were just talking about. Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron, yeah. Yeah. He's a really good writer, so... I don't know. I don't trust people with two first names. That's an understandable fear, though. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> you mean, you mean Ostrider is not a first name? 
Maybe back in the home country. <laughs> so I would say there's at least one more thing that we have to talk about in the Marvel previews, and that's Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Yeah. Volume Grant Morrison, two. he's the, uh, the crazy guy, right? He is one of the crazy guys. <laughs> yes. Maybe the craziest, next to Alan Moore. <laughs> but, yeah, um, he did a run of X-Men, and it was called New X-Men, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. And then he just finished reading yeah, it. So. I'm so excited about it. It was out of print for a long time, and I ha- and I didn't get a chance to read it. They're finally putting it back into print. This is the second um, book that's being offered right now, but it is so good. He takes the X-Men and changes a lot about them, but still makes it like the quintessential X-Men story. He's really critical of previous X-Men stories, but still a lot like them. He's He takes them out of the costumes and... They're just supposed to be teachers who happen to need to protect their students sometimes. There's a few X-Men I'd like to see out of the costume. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you went there, didn't you? That was a joke. I think that what... what we said about talking about jokes after we said <laughs> <laughs> I think that what Grant Morrison does so well in his new X-Men run is to make a run on the X-Men that is both critical, like Denny said, of the X-Men as an archetype, but also tells every X-Men story that's ever been told again, like, lovingly. Yeah. It's, it's as if he knows all the things that are wrong with the X-Men as an, like, an archetype. Like, the idea that mutants would be these beautiful people with this one superpower. And he twists that and says, no, there's only a few that are like that. Most mm-hmm. of them are hideous people with three faces and no usable powers. Yeah. And... He uses that to tell this really amazing story about jealousy and power and, like, human nature, and it's 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 phenomenal. Yeah, you're gonna see some weird looking mutants if you read Grant Morrison's New X Men, and they're not gonna be very happy. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie to you, it ends way in the future <laughs> and like very strange twists all around, <laughs> and there's like huge huge mega things the introduction of several new really interesting characters and um hopefully you'll love it yeah so i'm gonna say you guys think we're all right here on previews i say we just talked about comics for a good long time maybe we should take a break and talk about the hulk movie yeah. all right <laughs> you know, get, let's get away from comics and talk about the hulk we, we've taken a, a tiny little chunk of previews so we've uh... maybe next time we do the the podcast we can go to the independent section so did you guys ever see that movie deja vu Yes. Oh, man. I almost used that joke. Did you ever see that movie, Deja Vu? Because I almost used that joke during the last segment. Weird. <laughs> well, weird. Here it is. And, uh, well, I mean, there's the Hulk movie. Whoa. Whoa. Can you believe You barely got that out. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> I just, you know, I'm thinking, like, didn't this happen? <laughs> Wasn't there a Hulk movie? And then there was some time that passed? And now it's now, and there's a Hulk movie? Very, it's a development. I'm surprised you're not over this already. <laughs> I am. Nice. You know, it has been five years. Yeah, 2003. Wow. It's not like it came out in 2007. You came out in 2007. That's actually not true. <laughs> but I appreciate the joke. I'm not sure where you guys are going with this, so I'm going to try and start talking about the Hulk movie. We're, we're going to just edit all <laughs> of really this out. I'm not really sure what you're doing right now. You're kind of confusing me. So we're just going to keep acting tough. <laughs> So, The Incredible Hulk, Mark II, in the post-Iron Man world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to say that. Man. Wow. The post-Iron Man world. So, we've all seen it. Let's talk. I mean, 
No spoilers or anything. You don't have to shut it off if you haven't seen the movie yet. We're not going to ruin anything. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. We liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I think all around, we all we all no, enjoyed no. the movie. Uh, I, I liked it. I don't. I wouldn't say I loved it. Okay. But uh, Danny didn't say love. Well, I just don't want to give our listener <laughs> the wrong idea because I, I we did like it. But uh, well, let's let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So who wants to start? Adam, what's your what did you think of the Hulk movie? Well, I will say this: I loved it. And he loved genuinely. it genuinely. Um, so I'm not I'm not Luke in this case. Um, I walked into it thinking that it was going to be crap, and I wasn't excited. Like about a lot it. of people did. Yeah. And I just thought that. I mean, you know, I'll I'll kind of keep my comments short for now, but I think that as far as a Hulk movie. You couldn't ask for much more than what we got from this film. I just thought that it really hit every single thing that I would want a Hulk movie to hit, and I was super tickled. Yeah, it really did a great job of making like a lot of different kinds of fans happy. There's a lot of Hulk smashing things, and I know that, I mean, that's not necessarily why everyone's going to go to see it. That's not really why I went to see it, but I know a lot of people walk into it saying, I want to see Hulk smash stuff, and there's plenty of that. Yeah, You're going to see the Hulk break some things, and you're going to see what, in my opinion, are some of the coolest fight scenes in any superhero movie we've seen. Yeah. Or at least some of the some fight scenes that are really reflective of comic books a lot, you know? Yeah. These fight scenes are right out of the Hulk. Yeah. The fight scenes are pretty good. There's they translate pretty well from the comic, I think. Think about how in Superman movies you see Superman fighting in such small scale battles yeah. when his powers are so huge. If you ever wanted to see Superman smash a giant robot or something you're not going to get it from a Superman movie, but you certainly got it from this Hulk movie. Yeah. Not, not actually a giant robot. True. But my point is, large-scale power usage. Yeah. And at the same time, lots of strong drama, strong acting. I read a few reviews that were saying that there was low drama compared to Ang Lee's film. And I know that Ang Lee's film was really high Shakespearean drama, you know, which mm-hmm. was impressive. But I still think that this movie had some pretty solid drama, you, yeah. know? you know? I was worried. Uh, that, and I think that's one of my big hang-ups about it, because... Um, I think the best parts of the movie were the ones where, I mean, Edward Norton, who did a pretty freaking good job as Bruce Banner. I mean, I liked to see him hiding. I liked to see him upset. I liked to see the parts where uh, he was just going from Spanish-speaking country to Portuguese-speaking country. <laughs> and I think that the one of the biggest disappointments for me was um, his relationship with... Uh, Liv Tyler, because I mean, Liv Tyler is a pretty good actress, and I think she was kind of wasted here. And I think there are just a lot of scenes where they went with her looking very sad as Bruce Banner went off to do his little thing. And I think there should have been more interaction between those two. That's an interesting take, and I am going to disagree with you, and I'll tell you why. I think that philosophically, this this superhero movie is very different from any other superhero movie we've ever seen. I'll tell you why. I think this superhero movie functions as a comic book in a way that no other movie has because I think this movie is a sequel. And I think that it's a sequel in a way that no other superhero movie has been. It assumes, as you watch this movie, that you are already familiar with these characters. And it does it in a way that I really believe no other superhero movie has done. Every other superhero sequel allows you the chance to get to know these characters again. This one doesn't necessarily feel you need to do that. It brings you into Bruce Banner's world and accepts that you already know he's in love with her. 
that's right. And that that was I was not expecting that. I was expecting uh, another origin. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it really just skips that. Yeah. I mean, you see some uh, sort of flashes of it at the beginning, but yeah, it really just sort of starts in the thick of things. And it, yeah. And that's fine, but I still think that they wasted Liv Tyler in this movie. That may be it. May be true that they they wasted her, but I think that their vision was very different than other other movies of its type because what they wanted to do was I don't know I mean do you think it's a waste to hire a really good actor to play a part that in the long run may be bigger like maybe their goal was to make sure that every part in this movie no matter how small felt real you know like well I don't think it did okay that's I mean, I, mean I, I see what you're saying I think I do like I think they did an admirable job I just think they could have done more and maybe they will like what? I mean, out of curiosity, what would you have liked to see from her character? Um, well, you know, it's like it's just that the parts where they actually are interacting, and it's hard to you know actually talk about it without outright spoiling it. But I feel like that when they are interacting, it's good. It just seems like there are parts where they could be interacting and they're not. So you think this is something we talked about before? Because I had. A slight problem with Liv Tyler's performance at, right after the film as well, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I think that I was trying to decide whether I thought that she wa- like wasn't giving the performance her all, or if I just thought that she, that she was underwritten. I think I ended up feeling that maybe she was just a little underwritten, you know? Yeah. Because I don't think she was. She did a bad job. No, acting, absolutely you know? not. But I, 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 is that what you're trying to say? That you think maybe they downplayed her role a little bit? I do. I think there was some downplay in there, and I think it's a shame. But it, it's 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 not game breaking. No, right? not at all. And I think that part of part of the problem with any superhero movie becomes where you want your focus to lie. Mm-hmm. And this movie really did a good job. I mean, the title of the movie is The Incredible Hulk. They wanted you to see that Bruce Banner and the Hulk, that's a formidable force. Like he is incredible. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He's incredible. And in and order to do that, they need to show you that faced with any adversary, he will find a way, you know, like through sheer emotion or through sheer, sheer force Hulk of smashing will, <laughs> yeah. through whatever. And so they set up this adversary in, in Tim Roth's character, and to really make it believable that the Hulk is a badass, they have to make you believe Tim Roth is. Mm-hmm. And so there's... I mean, I don't think this is too spoilery. There's three major confrontations between Tim Roth and the Hulk. And each one of those involves character building for Tim Roth's part that we don't ever see with Liv Tyler's character. Right, Mm -hmm. that's true. And so we're actually building, by building his character, we're building Ed Norton's character. You know, through through the villain, you, you grow the hero. And so everything in this movie, everything... Even Liv Tyler's character was used to build Bruce Banner's character. Um, Tim Roth's character was used to build Bruce Banner. The William Hurt character was used to build Bruce Banner. It's like everything in the movie is used as a tool to create your enthusiasm about the main character. So I can totally understand your point about thinking that some of the other parts are underwritten, especially the, the Betty Ross character. But... I think that it's done for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised to find that there were some Betty, some strong Betty Ross scenes that were left on the cutting room floor. You know what? Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to see this DVD. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that 
I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess we've read a few stories now about how there might have been some quibbles between uh, Edward Norton and the powers that be. And I mean, I don't, I don't really know what came of that. I don't know enough to... Yeah, to, no one does. There's a million different stories. Yeah, who, who the, the point of all the stories, they all in the same, is that there's a lot of extra footage that will probably be on the DVD. And, and I think that'll be phenomenal. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the CG. Okay. Um, let's. Who wants to start? <laughs> I'll start by <laughs> having the opinion that you probably won't agree with, is that I thought it looked great. And, you know, there was... Uh, maybe I'm in the middle a little bit. It wasn't like when I watch Pan's Labyrinth or the trailer for the new Hellboy movie that I'm like, oh my god, this looks so amazing. Like, it wasn't so great that it drew my attention, but it was impressive enough that I never thought, this looks stupid. You know? Yeah. This looks out of place. I thought it looked fine. And it didn't take away from the movie experience for me at all. But at the same time, until going back, and we'll talk about, we read a few articles about the like art of the abomination and the art of the Hulk and how they carry themselves. But at the time watching it, it didn't bother me, but I wasn't like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I think um, there were some points that I think were really well done. Like, I liked his transformation scenes. Yeah. Um, I think that the Abomination, he looked pretty decent. Um, I really liked... Um, Spoiler alert, the Abomination is in it. <laughs> yeah. In case you haven't seen the trailers or the commercials or <laughs> looked at a poster at a subway yet. Yeah. Um, something I really liked that they did with the Hulk was that he's not exactly uh, completely Hulk smash all the time. Uh, they really did some great things with his um, his facial expressions. Yeah, you're, you're kinda, You kind of see that even when he's hulking out, Bruce Banner's still in there, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah um, he's a character, without yeah, a doubt, for sure. more so. And, and I think, and I think that's something that the the Ang Lee movie did completely wrong. Yeah. Also, I, I don't I didn't like the the Hulk and the Ang Lee movie really at all because I think I don't know it just seems like there wasn't enough talking between teams. Sometimes I think he was like as big as like a big person. Sometimes he's big enough to put his hand in the tank. Other <laughs> times he was like it's kind of like the the Indian from Super Friends. Well, <laughs> in the comic books, in the comic books, as the Hulk gets angrier, he gets, he gets stronger. Bigger. In the Ang Lee yeah. movie, they wanted to represent that by as he got angrier, he got bigger. Okay. So that that was actually a, a decision decision yeah. that they made. It came across weird because I he did, did change in size so much, and it wasn't really clear that that's what they were going for. But he was supposed to get much taller as he got angrier in the yeah. Ang Lee movie. Um, that that was not very well explained within the film itself, and I think that's a weakness of it. But I personally like the Ang Lee film very much. And the one uh, thing I would say is that I did get a few moments where I was looking at these two creatures and thinking they don't quite look like the belong in the world. And I think the reason that I'm feeling this is not necessarily because it's bad CG. I think that I was just spoiled by Iron Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, the Iron Man suit looked so incredible. Like I just, I really never thought that that couldn't exist. And I would, sometimes I'd see the Hulk, and I'd just be like, oh, I don't know. He does kind of look like a cartoon character set on a backdrop. Well, here's the question, and this is going to be more and more important to start thinking about as special effects get better and better. Can your mind accept something that you know doesn't exist in the real world? You know robots do. I mean, they may not look like Iron Man yet, but you know that robots exist, and you know that a suit of armor built like that could exist in the world. Right. The Hulk and the Abomination literally cannot exist in the real world. Says you. Can your mind <laughs> accept them as real 
when you're seeing them in a movie. I think you know, there's does, there's does, definitely like a uncanny valley sort of thing coming yeah. out of here. Yeah, where, it's gonna be a big part of CG probably yeah. very soon. And I, I think we're, at, we're we're starting to sort of dip into it. Yeah, I mean I think that when you discuss CG, there's always that surreal um, feel that people discuss. I think, and this is something I've always talked about since, I don't know, Phantom Menace, I guess, or even before that, that kids growing up today experiencing CG first, that it will look completely real to them. Whereas to us, who were kind of raised on Star Wars and movies with puppets and claymation, right. that stuff somehow, despite the fact that it looks like crap, looks more real to us than CG does. I agree yeah, with that. I agree. And the, I, sorry, I was just going to say, it has a lot to do... It's interesting because you want to think that it's just about suspension of disbelief, you know? But yeah. really, when it comes to CG, it's not about suspension of disbelief. Everyone who's going to go into that movie, well, at least the majority of people, want to go into it and believe what they see. But yeah. it's really more about psychology and just the way your brain is processing the images, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I think there's something this to be said about something that just exists physically and has, like, all the light of the world shining on it rather than something that was created to have light shining on it in the proper way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just I don't think we're quite at that point. And I th maybe it shows a little less in Iron Man because I mean, he looks like a Camaro that's flying around. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I don't know. I think that the more the things you see that are CG look like things you'd see in real life, the more you're able to accept them even when they don't look quite perfect. Sure. Yeah. So um Let's let's end this. Yeah. What, let's what did we actually think? Sum it about? up. I liked it a lot, and I think that as far as Hulk movies, you can't get any better. I think um, that it was pretty admirable, and uh, I look forward to a sequel, assuming they Absolutely. go along with it. And it, it definitely, it, I don't think it was as good as Iron Man, but I think it was very good. And I wouldn't compare the two. It's hard not to. It's, it's, we'll it's, have to it, talk about this another time. Yeah. But these movies are going to be compared, no matter how unfair it is. They're different genres. They're completely different kinds of characters, but they're two superhero movies made by the same studio that came out a month apart. Yeah, and people are going to compare them, Naturally. and they're and they're crossovers, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But and I will. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But really, I, I'm very much looking forward to the next Marvel Studios movie. Yeah, absolutely. I do not feel worse about. How it could you? How could you? Movie. After seeing the Hulk, no matter what you think about whether it could have been better, like how could you not be excited now? Like yeah. Yeah. Iron Man and the Hulk. Holy crap! Two phenomenal movies from studio really fun. We'll have to do a whole segment another time when we talk about what Marvel is doing with this Marvel Studios idea and how genius it is, yeah. and what yeah. they're doing for fans who aren't comic fans to make them comic fans. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. But I give it a really like it. All right. Is that our rating system? Well, what I like On to scale go, of one to awesome. I like to do a zero, <laughs> five, like a one to five stars kind of thing, kind of like Netflix, which is hate it, didn't like it, liked it, really liked it, loved it. Yeah. So I give it a really like it. Four stars. Yeah. I, For as much as we ignore rating systems, that's what I give it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I don't I don't want to rate it, but I will say that I enjoyed it. And it's it's worth watching. You would recommend it to people who were like, Should I go see the Hulk? Oh, certainly. Yeah. See yeah. that's I think the most important thing. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna tell people that they should see it? And I think resoundingly yes. Yeah. You should see this Absolutely. Movie. Yeah, we're gonna say go see it. So how about a real quick should we do the top five comic book movies? Yeah, let's do yeah, it. That sounds just great. superhero or comic no, book no, movies comic in general? Book movies. That's up to you. You 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 suggested it. We'll do comic book movies in general. Okay. All right. And this is going to be a difficult list. <laughs> Who wants right. to start? Top five. Top five. 
You want to start, Adam? You want me to start? You're so oh, good at man. it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to say Iron Man. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it may be just because it's fresh in my memory, but it was damn yeah. good. Um, okay. Iron Man, Spider-Man 2, The Crow is really, really high on my list. Yeah. The Crow. I love The Crow. Great yeah. movie. Um, I feel like there's uh, another kind of random. I, I really like Road to Perdition, too. I'll probably yeah, put that on my list. Movie. Holy crap. And... Um, you know, Sin City's a great adaptation of those books. I love it. It's very mm-hmm. pure. Um, yeah. I would say those are my five. Yeah. I'd have to go with Iron Man number one. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm still glowing. Yeah. But I think that movie was just a phenomenal comic to movie adaption. Uh, after that, I'd have to say Sin City. Um, really for art direction. I mean, yeah. More yeah. than anything else. I mean, that that movie's just a joy to look at. Um, I would even put 300 up there for the same reason. Uh, honestly, I think... Frank Miller, you just, please pick any book and just yeah. make it a movie. Because <laughs> By the way, just for the record, I hated 300. Yeah, yeah we really? can argue about that sometime, but yeah. go on. Well, I kind of wonder. Why did you... <laughs> I mean, story-wise or like, look? I just... I thought that the stuff they introduced that wasn't in the book was terrible. Well, see, I didn't read the book. Like, I, I, don't even, I didn't read it until afterwards. Well, okay. or like the day of. So it's not like I had some long-running love of the book. Right. But the stuff with the queen that was like thrown in like she's like sleeping with the that senator one guy. senator guy and like then she kills him and it was so unnecessary and stupid and they only did it because they wanted to have a female character have a role I respect that because I like <laughs> having I really do I respect the yeah. idea of trying to have a female any a presence in the movie it just didn't happen but it was just so happen. dumb and then like there was that long extended sex scene with the, the rape one or the no, first the, one? No, the first one. Yeah. That was just like, wow, is this necessary? Is it necessary for this long softcore porn scene to be in this movie? Or is it just because the movie's so masculine we need to see him doing it? Like, I don't know. It just yeah. seems so... <laughs> I don't know. That's, right, that, that's, that's some of my reasons to I, dislike I'm, I'm the picking movie. it on a completely visual, Art, visual yeah. aesthetic kind of way. It made me excited about him as a director again. Like, yeah. like I think that he'll do a very good job next time. I just d- dislike those things and about the movie very strongly. I guess I, another thing to say, holy crap, at the spirit. I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and that's, I, I, that's another trailer. book I haven't read. And so I don't know if he's really following the art style at all or if he's just doing his own thing. But really, I think it looks exceedingly cool. Yeah. It's really cool. I'd, I mean, I know we're trying to wrap up, but I got to say that Frank Miller has a really interesting idea for what he wants to do with the art and the spirit because it doesn't necessarily look like the comics looked. But the thing is, that when Will Eisner was doing The Spirit, he was doing art in the most cutting-edge way that it had ever been done. Like, he was using the top-of-the-line technology for comic book art. And so what Frank Miller wants to do is make the film top-of-the-line technology for film so that the way that the book looked different from any other news strip that people were reading at that time, this movie's going to look different from any other movie we're watching at the time. And and that's a really a cool, cool idea. Yeah. Did you see that tie? <laughs> <laughs> it's just flipping around in the wind like the most awesome tie ever to exist. Wow. So you've said two, I think. No, you three. said three. Three. Uh, three. I said three. Okay. I've been counting. I have fingers. <laughs> the spirit didn't count. It's not actually. No, the, the spirit, I, I haven't seen that. So. Uh, next, I'll say the first Spider-Man movie because I think that's maybe the first comic book movie that said that said to me, wow, like we can actually do this. Yeah. And we can convert things to different media and it doesn't have to suck. <laughs> and I think my last one is going to be Hellboy. And I'm saying that. Oh, cool. I'm saying that because I like that movie, but I think the next one looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying that? That's your preemptive vote for yeah, Hellboy he's, too? He's in there for now. He might move depending on how this next movie goes. Uh-huh. Awesome. All right, I'm going to say Iron Man since that's how we all started our list. <laughs> Iron Man, 
I'm gonna go with the first Spider-Man movie. I know everybody really likes the second one better, but I, I like. Have, the first I have a love affair with the first one. I don't know why. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with Ghost World. Ooh, I have not seen that. Ghost World. I do Hilarious. love that movie. Yeah, not quite as good with the as the book, obviously, but really, really funny and just so fun to watch. Um, Road to Perdition, which if you wouldn't have said, crap, that's a good one. I, I probably wouldn't have thought of that. That blogs on every list. I love that movie. So so good. And I didn't think you liked Tom Hanks. No, that's Amber. Oh, your girlfriend doesn't like Tom Hanks. That's right. <laughs> okay. And my last one, I might have to throw Batman Begins on there. Oh. Holy crap! Why didn't I say that? Yeah. I'm so you know bad what? At you this. know what? A couple of really good uh, comic book movies are is The Mask. I love The Mask. It's really so funny. Mask. Yeah. And Goodness. Men in Black is a really, really good one too. Yeah. I think that that's yeah. a super fun movie. I mean, they wouldn't be on my top five, but they're they're really good movies that people can forget. And also, you know what's really good? Blade. Yeah, I thought about that because I had just rewatched it. Luke doesn't like Blade that much. Yeah. I love it. Here's the thing about Blade. There wouldn't be. Go ahead. All right. Here's the thing about Blade. The Blade created some special effects things that the Matrix gets a lot of credit for creating, yeah. uh, which is really neat. I think that <laughs> that Blade doing them first and it not really getting talked about is really neat. Yeah. And everybody was there said, some bullet time thing yeah, going there was on? Yeah, there was. And, and everybody says that, like, a lot of people think that Spider-Man started the, like, run of successful superhero movies, but really it was Blade, you know? Like, they kind of went on a limb and made a Blade movie, and it was so successful, and that's what led to Spider-Man and X-Men. That's true. And uh, the reboot of Batman, and everything is going in the direction it is because of that first Blade movie, really. Absolutely. I'm still going to give it to Spider-Man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> On that note of disagreement, let's wrap this up. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're a return listener, thanks for coming back. If uh, you have any questions. If you have any questions or want to comments. Yeah, contribute to the top five list. Yeah, Send us please. your top five RPGs or your top five. If you have any top five lists that you want us to do for the next show, ask us. Or if you have any questions or comments you want us to read on the mail. Yeah, if it's particularly well written and agrees with all of us, <laughs> maybe we'll read it. On uh, the email address is omnibuspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can catch us on our website at omnibuscast.wordpress.com. Uh, probably soon to be on iTunes once we figure that out. We're just we're one step ahead in the book of how to podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. All, All right, right. See you next time. Next time, independent section of previews for June 2008. Hopefully, we'll get to that before the end of June 2008, oh, so yeah. you can actually uh, use the information for your ordering. And um, until then, um, thanks for coming in. <laughs>